In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Welcome back to anybody out there that follows the program to another episode of This Is Why I Drink. As we dive into part 21 of COVID and controlled chaos, because that's what we're living in, I've titled this next set of sub-sub series, because <laughs> we've got a couple going, The Scarecrow Effect. And I titled it The Scarecrow Effect because not only are we living in a live version of the movie Idiocracy, which if you haven't seen the movie Idiocracy, go online. I think they have it on HBO right now. Sorry, one sec. <clears throat> I think they have it on HBO right now, uh, or look it up, rent it, do whatever you have to, but watch that movie because we are legitimately living in a live version of the movie Idiocracy right now. The only difference between Trump and Camacho is that Camacho is played by Terry Crews. <laughs> and beyond that, we are also 100,000% And if anybody's seen the movie Batman Begins, the first one that had Christian Bale in it back in, I think, 2004, 2005, we are legitimately living in some of the later scenes of the movie where the Scarecrow and his henchmen have unleashed his drug upon the city of Gotham. And that drug is fear. That's why I titled this sub-sub-series The Scarecrow Effect. And before I dive into the meat and potatoes of the episode, I want to share a few encounters that I had over the weekend when I was out promoting the show via Lyft and Uber here in DFW. And it, it helped me realize how to articulate a little bit better when I'm talking to people about the political climate of our country, the social climate of our country and the like. And I, one in particular was a young lady that I picked up who's a sweetheart. I mean, she's a really, really genuinely good person. And <clears throat> she asked me about the show. Cause I said, the primary reason that I drive Lyft and Uber is to promote the show. And she said, okay, well, what do you talk about? And so I gave her a little bit of detail. And I said, of course, you know, with everything that's going on right now in our country, I do get political a lot of times. And I talked about extreme left and all that. And she said, okay, I don't want to talk about this. To which, of course, I immediately apologized and played damage control in that sense because I didn't understand why she would say that she really wanted to know more about it and what I thought. And then as soon as I bring that up, she slams on the emergency brakes and says, I don't want to talk about this. So again, I apologize. What it turns out, she ends up saying, I am an extreme leftist. I do think we need to destroy the government, so on and so forth. And I immediately thought, if you have the self-awareness to admit that you are an extreme leftist, you're not an extreme leftist. You're not a leftard. I didn't say that. I just dove into the conversation pieces a little bit more and did everything I could to steer it away from politics. Yet she, even though she said she didn't want to talk about it, kept bringing it back to politics. And she just she's not an extreme leftist. She just hates Trump, which is most people out there that say I'm a leftist. I'm like, no, you just hate that guy. I mean, I've talked to multiple friends 
that when I break it down, I'm like, you're not a leftist. You just don't like him. And that's fine. Just don't say you're a leftist. Just say that you wish we had better options and start getting involved in some way to help us have better options. But it was so cool because we ended up having a great conversation and she was she's right down the middle. And I believe I really do believe that anybody who says I'm an extreme leftist or I'm an extreme right conservative, you're really not. You are right down the middle. You, one, just don't know how to articulate what it is that you believe a lot of times. Number two, you have associated with either your family and just followed the path they followed or those that have the most influence on you in your inner circle of your friendship and potentially coworkers and the like, and you followed what they follow. So it's, it's the same thing that I talked about last year in one of the episodes where I was talking about, well, the mindless mob. And last year when I was talking about the mindless uh, lemming mob, where we all want to feel like we connect, we all want to feel like we're a part of something we do. And we we either truly connect with those that we think a lot alike or we don't know what the hell we think and we just know we're frustrated and that we want to see change in a good quality and positive way and we just start drinking the Kool-Aid of whoever we have the closest relationship with, which is a lot of people out there. It's part of the reason I do this show is because I don't do that shit. I have people in my family that, though they won't say it, they're extreme on the right. I have people in my family that, though they won't say it, they're extreme on the left. And instead of being able to actually articulate things in a manner that makes sense, when you bring it up, they either just get really quiet and roll their eyes or they get immediately defensive, which goes to my point that most people in this country are fucking stupid. So that's why I say the mindless mob should not have a voice. Because there's no reason to constantly shove idiocy down this nation's throat purely because you haven't taken the time to figure out what is going to be the absolute truest best for this country. It was just, again, it was really cool to have that conversation and have her go, no, I agree with everything you just said. And a nice little ego boost at the end of it. She said, you know, if you ever decided to get into politics, I would vote for somebody that thinks and, and functions like you, which I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. So, it again, it hammered home. Anybody that has the self-awareness to try to say, I'm extreme this or I'm extreme that. No, you're not. You're really not. Because if you have that level of self-awareness, you're right down the middle. You're just frustrated. And you want to see change. That's all it is. And you just, you're letting your emotion override your reason and your logic. That's all it is. Now, back to the scarecrow effect. Again, I titled it this because fear is the one constant that keeps driving all of the insanity in the United States right now that we see around us. And it's been used by our government and the puppeteers behind the scenes for generations. I mean, you look at GW and Cheney, I, both, well, not both, their second campaign was purely run on fear after 9-11. And you look at Obama he even talked about it quite a few times during his administration. 
you know, Trump used it to perfection, and that's my next point, that even he has used it to damned near perfection. If fear was a prime focal point of his 2016 presidential campaign, outside of ending human trafficking and the economy, fear was a large part of it. And he used it with regard to immigration, which in some ways was good because he woke a lot of the silent majority up to what's going on with our immigration processes and how broken they are. Yet at the same time, even though it was good, it's a double-edged sword. So Trump's use of fear, ta fear tactics, good God, sorry, I haven't even drank yet today, so get excited. Trump's use of fear tactics was the first time that I had ever seen fear used in a way that actually made sense for the country and since Ronald Reagan. And I you know, didn't really pay attention for shit when Reagan was president because I was just a little kid. But I've gone back and I've watched videos of Reagan. And every time that Reagan would use a fear tactic, it was always about truly, and I'm not talking... Economic, just economically or propaganda-wise, it was a, truly about protecting the nation as a whole, like protecting our borders, making sure that we are thriving as a country. And it's funny that Reagan was an actor first, got into politics later. You know, he just obviously he got sick and tired of watching all the BS and he got into politics later. Trump, businessman first, gets into politics later. And they think very similarly as to where between them, you had George Herbert Walker Bush, you had Clinton, you had GW, you had Obama, and all four of those, as I've said multiple times, were establishment presidents that just did the same shit. They just had a different party name in front of them. That's all. That's all it was. And it takes people that are not career politicians, that are not drinking the Kool-Aid, that are not in on all of the puppeteer shadow work to actually give a damn about protecting this country. And they could be a little more to the left, a little more to the right, but it takes that type of person to really understand it. So as much as some people might hate Trump, and as much as of an asshole as he is, his use of fear started waking a lot of us up to how we've been getting sold out, screwed as a nation, and the like for almost 40 years, as I just said. The problem, again with anything that's used in an extreme manner, because Trump did go to extremes with his fear campaign and the way that he phrases things, which we all know when he opens his mouth and starts just rambling, we're like, oh, shit. The only one that's worse is Biden. As soon as they both start going on their little rants, I'm like, well, get ready for the memes because they are about to say some stupid shit. <laughs> but so he did use fear in an extreme manner. And the the problem with that is that fear has also been used to continually divide and subdue the citizens of the United States. I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine last night about this and going to dive into the Jonathan Price situation, which I promised that I would talk about. And we were talking about stigmas, whether you be white skin, black skin, brown skin forgive me, East Asians, yellow skin, yeah, forgive me, Native Americans, red skin, whatever, fucking albinos. It doesn't matter if a stigma exists for a reason. A stereotype exists for a reason. They're not always good. Sometimes they can be. They're, you know, they don't always seem right, yet there is a reason. And most people, instead of uh, facing the reason head on and changing it, would rather just bitch about it and act like a victim. 
well, that's that's not me. It's never been me. And anybody that I truly call a friend and hang out with, that's not them. I don't like being around those people. Those people, as I say, are a waste of oxygen and should have been swallowed. Period. They waste everybody else's time, effort, and energy, which are the three things you can't ever get back. So, <laughs> forgive me as I go on a little tangent right there again. But as I told all my listeners during the last episode, as I said that I was going to dive into the Jonathan, Jonathan Price incident, and if you know anything about me, then you know that I'm going to tackle this from a back-to-basics, common-sense perspective and do my best to leave emotions out of it. So as I was doing my research on the Jonathan Price shooting, it perfectly mirrored every other police shooting incident in 2020 and all of the situations had the all of those situations had the exact same problems except for Brianna Taylor. She was the only one that was different. And the only reason that her situation was different is it was a raid. All of these others were, you know, one-on-one, one-on-two type of situations. So before I dig into this particular one, let me set the stage with some very simple facts. Fact number 1. Ever since the Obama administration, police have been seen as villains by every single leftard in the United States. Now, I've talked to people and they say, well, I think that police, you know, probably gotten away with things for a lot longer than that. I agree that cops have gotten off on things that they probably should have been charged manslaughter with or they should have been fired and put in prison with other charges for. I agree with that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the Obama administration vilified them. That's the difference. Okay? They painted them as villains versus people that are to protect and serve. And with all that fear-mongering propaganda, it's still being used by the leftards today, primarily feminazi leftards, because if you watch again, as I've said before, the BLM movement, it's mostly women it's mostly feminazi leftard females with black skin that are the ones running their mouths or tiny little twig looking dudes that look like a black version well they like starving marvin off of south park so and they always they're pros at playing the weaponized victim card that's their go-to that's their bread and butter for being able to do anything in their life if they're not the victim and they don't have a crutch they're not worth shit number two because of this villain image that the police have been given, a lot of leftards, especially leftards who would be classified as quote unquote people of color, have taken this as an invitation to do whatever the hell they want, as if the cops have no authority whatsoever, while screaming BS about how they fear for their lives around the police, yet these specific groups screaming police brutality are also the ones that instigate the problems with the cops that end up causing them to get brutalized. I mean, for instance, the cops are standing there at a lot of these quote-unquote protests, and they'll have people from BLM, marches, whatever, walk right up to them and immediately start screaming in their face, yelling the N-word, cussing at them, spitting on them, you know, throwing things and the like, and then when they get their ass kicked, they play the victim. That's not going to cause any change. That's just going to cause the cycle to repeat itself. But most people don't even pull their head out of their ass long enough to realize that. And they are part of the problem. And I will constantly say it. I don't give a shit what your skin color is. This just happens to be one situation where it applies. 
Point number three. I can't even read what I wrote. That's terrifying, isn't it? I was trying to write it quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, other than outlying incidents where the cop is just absolutely horrible to a human being, there are those, of course. We all know they are. The death of George Floyd was one of those incidents, and if you don't think, um, if you don't think that George Floyd was a planned hit at this point, you're an idiot. It's just like thinking COVID was not released. So again, are there outlying incidents where the cop is just a horrible human being? Absolutely. The death of George Floyd was one of those incidents, as I just said. And if you again, if you don't think it was a planned hit, you're not paying attention because Derek. I don't know if his name is Siobhan, Shavin, how to pronounce that, but the cop that quote-unquote supposedly killed Floyd, if Floyd is actually dead, was released last week from prison on a $1 million bail bond. Now, who in the shit would pay for that man's bail of $1 million after supposedly committing just a pure angry, racist, hate crime, murder execution of a man with black skin unless he had been paid for it and had been hired for a planned hit on Floyd and the people that paid him to do it and hired him to do it were worried about him squealing in prison. Think about it logically. Why the hell would somebody pay a $1 million bail bond for this piece of shit human being to be released unless there's more going on behind the scenes and they're afraid he's going to spill his guts if he actually stays in prison and gets into gin pop and starts getting his ass kicked. Wake up, people. Wake up. It's not that hard to figure out. And to my buddy Justin Callison out there who lives in uh, Lake Las Vegas, Dude, I can't tell you how much I appreciate with all the stuff that I've got going on and, you know, with work, work and all the other irons in the fire, you constantly feeding me articles through Facebook Messenger, money, my friend, money, because it gives me things to look up. So if this show ever starts making making some dough, I might have to throw you uh, some residuals for your help on constantly feeding me the articles because they are priceless diamonds in the rough gold my friend all right back to the point i had to say that because he's the one that sent me the article about siobhan uh being released on one million dollar bail so i had to give a little bit of credit to my man out there point number four are police commissioned to protect and serve as their primary responsibility 100 percent. have police also been living in constant fear themselves for the past few years because of the propaganda driven by the leftards Again, 100%. So this is where I'm talking about stigmas. Both sides have them, but instead of actively doing things to clean up their backyard, as you keep hearing me say, they just blame each other. And what has that done for us? Not shit. So both sides living with that constant fear, point number five, with one side in particular, quote unquote, feeling entitled to do whatever the hell they please because forget my language, fuck the police, this never ends well. 
It always ends in disaster, yet nobody wants to talk about how both groups are being played like fiddles, and because of those stereotypes that have been created, which I'll get into in future episodes, by those that got sold on the hip-hop generation, are causing a lot of the problems. Point number six, do we need to be, do we need, sorry, do we need better hiring practices and better training for police? Absolutely. There's no question about that whatsoever. Do leftards and leftard quote unquote people of color need to get their heads out of their asses and stop living as if they can do whatever they want as long as they go around screaming oppression? Also, absolutely. It's just like saying believe every woman. Fuck you. No. I'm going to look at the facts. I'm going to do the investigation the way that it should be done. I'm going to go through every piece of evidence and then we're going to make a conclusion and decision that actually makes sense. We don't live in that world right now, people. We're starting to come back a little bit, which is good. But right now, we we live in the cry wolf society, i.e. causing the scarecrow effect. Now, let's talk about Jonathan Price because I'll show you how it lines up with every point that I just made. Number one, Officer Sean Lucas of Wolf City, Texas, was called to report to a disturbance and a fight in progress at a local quick trick... Oh, good God quick check store and lucas had already in just a few months of working in wolf city he had built a reputation for being a bit of a bully and a hothead with an authority complex so you you're already starting off with somebody on the wrong foot because you've got a cop that is insecure as hell feels inferior in other areas of his life and in turn is built a rep for taking out those insecurities on the people of Wolf City. This point speaks to what I just mentioned in point number six of the previous uh, foundation that I laid, that this guy should have never been allowed to be a cop, ever, and that we need better hiring practices, better mental assessments. This man should have never been a cop. Number two, the affidavit from the body cam footage states that Price, Jonathan Price, was the first person to greet Officer Lucas when Officer Lucas arrived at the store, getting very close to Officer Lucas and saying multiple times, you doing good? You doing good? To Officer Lucas. This makes absolutely no sense because unless Price worked for the Quick Check store, which he did not, the person that should have greeted Officer Lewis should have been the store's clerk or Officer Lewis should have said, hold on to Price and gone into the store to get a better understanding of what was going on because I did look up the store's hours and they don't close till till 11 p.m. on Fridays and this incident happened at 8.30. Again, simple shit, people. This is why another reason Lucas should not have been a cop because instead of getting involved with Price and getting into an altercation right there, go inside, Find out what they know. Find out what's going on because the lawyer for Jonathan Price's family is trying to say that the incident was already over, already solved, already handled by the time the cop got there. Okay? So at that point, there's no reason for Price to be walking up to Officer Lucas and saying, hey, you doing good? You doing good? And getting in his face and getting very close to him. That doesn't make sense. Point number three. Officer Lucas thought that Price was drunk because of the way Price was acting and tried to detain Price, to which Price responded with, I can't be detained. WTF, people. 
what the fuck does price think is going to happen at this point? This is, again, going back to the thinking we can do whatever the hell we want because of the fact that cops have been vilified and painted as the true villains in the situation. So this guy's already got a mental sense of entitlement. It's bad on both sides is constantly what I'm talking about. So at this point, what does he think is going to happen? You've got an insecure cop with an ego trip and you just resisted arrest. This goes back to my point again about certain people, primarily the left hard side of society, thinking they can do whatever they want because of what has transpired since the Obama administration, especially with what's happened in 2020. Point number five, Officer Lucas kept trying to detain Price, both using verbal commands and trying to grab Price's arm, yet Price kept resisting. Do you folks listening see how these are the exact same actions from every single incident involving cops, again, except the Breonna Taylor incident? The fact that civilians haven't learned this lesson speaks volumes to a much deeper problem in our country because every single situation, George Floyd resisted arrest. Okay? Rayshard Brooks resisted arrest. Jonathan Price resisted arrest. I, it just it doesn't make sense that they haven't figured out this is probably a bad idea. I should probably listen to this guy. Dumbasses. Fucking dumbasses. Point number six. At this point, Officer Lucas told Price that if Price did not comply, then he was going to get tased. And Price just decided it was a good idea to walk away from him and not listen to him at all. Again, refusing to comply, i.e. resisting arrest. So point number seven, Officer Lucas deploys the taser, and it has little to no effect on Price. So instead of Price realizing, oh, shit, this cop is serious, and if I don't start complying, then I'm probably going to end up like every other person with black skin that's been shot in these situations in 2020. Instead of having that revelation... This dumbass walks toward Officer Lucas and tries to grab Officer Lucas's taser. Point number eight. Next thing you know, Price has four slugs in his chest. What the hell? Now, do I believe wholeheartedly that they really need to take a look and, you know, fire Officer Lucas? Absolutely. Do I think he should at most be um, tried for involuntary manslaughter? 100%. What I also want to get across, as I constantly say, is anybody out there on the left with black skin, anybody on the right with black skin, don't do this shit. It doesn't make any sense for Price to walk up to the cop and immediately start going, you good, you doing good, you doing good, and getting in his face really close to him. That's going to automatically make the cop think you're either drunk or high, and guess what? Your ass is going to jail so they can at least process you and find out what's in your system. Don't be an idiot. So you start pushing a guy who's already got an ego trip and is already insecure, and then he says, I'm going to have to tase you, and it's on his body cam footage. Then you decide, oh, it's going to be a good idea if I try to grab it. What the shit do you think is going to happen? You're dead. I mean, come on. Common sense. Now, people can say better training, better training. This is why I've said in previous episodes that I think we need things like 
trank darts or guns. We need other ways of being able to subdue because at this point, this cop has taser and a gun. I mean, could he have shot him in the leg or something? Yeah, but once he's that close to him and trying to reach for his taser, the cop's not going to be thinking about, I need to shoot him in the leg. The cop's going to be thinking, I don't want him to take my gun and shoot me. I'm not excusing the fact that Lucas already had a rep for being a bully and harassing people. I'm not excusing the fact that Price is dead. What I'm saying is both sides need to stop being dumbasses. Ah. <sighs> I told everyone that I would dig into this because with all of these incidents in 2020, the mainstream media tries to paint one picture immediately after an incident, which they did with Price 2. They try to paint one picture as fast as possible to slander cops to make the victim look like the pillar of this of their community and cause more chaos in this country. Then, inevitably, after the first few days of slander and propaganda, we always have more evidence that tells a different story and proves that the real problem in this country is, the, is entitlement and fear. Price was painted as a pillar of the community, and I'm not saying he was a bad guy. What I'm saying is, how the hell are you supposedly a pillar of the community, yet you fight with a cop and end up getting killed because you resisted arrest? It doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. Folks, we don't have... I, I'm, I'm probably going to catch holy hell for saying this. I probably am. Because a lot of people can't wrap their brain around what I'm about to say. They just can't. They're drinking the Kool-Aid in their head is so far up their ass that as soon as I say what I'm going to... My next point that I'm going to make, they're, they're going to go, Oh my God. Yes, we do. Oh, no, there's, there's definitely a problem. There's a problem. And again, it's entitlement and fear. I wholeheartedly do not believe that we have a quote-unquote racism problem in this country. I don't think we do. We have an issue of entitlement, poor character, poor choices, and fear. These issues are respecters of no skin color, no gender, and no ethnicity or nationality. Okay, they don't know any of those. They have no affiliation. Entitlement, poor character, poor choices, and fear, they are not exclusive to any group. Every skin color has these issues. Every gender has these issues. Every ethnicity and nationality has these issues. We have to start doing, as I constantly say, fixing ourselves first. These issues of insecure entitlement and fear have gotten so bad that the left-hearted extremist group Antifa has actually murdered two people in cold blood over the last couple months. The most recent being in Denver, where a complete piece of shit left-hard was hired as a bodyguard, and the people that hired him knew he had extreme leftist views and shot a man in the head in broad daylight when there was no threat of danger to this little twat pocket left hard's life. But he just, his first response was, I'm going to pull out a gun and plug you. Well, okay, now think about it logically. How is that any different than a cop shooting a drunk or high perp who tries to grab his taser? Well, one, there's a huge difference because you got somebody who's drunk or high, you got somebody who's trying to grab your weapon, and you are responsible and commissioned to protect and serve, and part of that is protecting yourself. This piece of shit left hard just says, this guy's got bear mace, and he's going to vote for Trump. 
die and just shoots him in the damn head. There's no reason for any of this. Absolutely none. The mindless mob is playing right into the hands of the puppeteers, and as a nation, we are signing our own death sentence in doing so. We have signed our own death sentence, and all of this is much, much easier to fix, as I constantly say, and it has to start with each individual's home first, daily looking in the mirror, asking how you can improve, not beating yourself up like all these fucking pansy asses out there do, but just daily trying to improve. Then from there, as it gets better in your individual homes, it should grow into communities, then to whole cities, then states, and finally in, in, at the top of D.C. We keep thinking that we have to start in D.C. And though I wholeheartedly believe, as I keep saying, that we need to vote every single one of those POSs out of Congress, I also know that thinking we have to start in D.C. is what will always keep us imprisoned mentally and emotionally because we never fix our own backyards. We never clean up our own backyards. We always put it off on the government. Well, those of us that say we don't want a socialist or a communist government, we don't want a dictatorship, we're just as guilty of not cleaning up our own backyards first. And we've got to start changing that because we know we can't rely on them for everything. Because they're not going to fix everything. You're saying a new tax bill or a new trade deal or whatever is going to fix everything? No, it's not. It can help. But what's also going to help is, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, shopping local. As you, as I've said before, once you start building a, a small to medium-sized business and it starts catching some waves and a bigger one wants to buy you out, tell them to fuck off. Don't sell out. Keep it going so that you can create more and more jobs and actually build competition. It's not as hard as we're making it. It's got to start with your individual home and individual person first. And we've got to work on getting all those pieces of shit out of Congress. It has to go from both sides. So on the next episode, because I've run over, I keep saying I'm going to try to keep these under 30 minutes and I keep lying to Keith every time because I ramble. But on the next episode, I'm going to continue, as I said, with the Scarecrow effect, and I'm going to do everything I can to start peeling back more and more layers while trying to stay on top of all this insanity to make it relatable to what's going on right now, because I believe that's the only way people really end up getting it. I can talk about core principles. If I don't relate them to what's going on in society right now, it just seems like cannon fodder and it doesn't really stick. So that's why I try to make sure I stay up on what's going on. Uh, in the media, as well as making sure I can tie it to telling everybody to get their shit straight. Finally, as always, if you appreciate what the show is trying to do and build and what I'm trying to do and build through the show as I as it continuously grows and I am able to start getting more interaction with listeners, consider becoming a supporter of the show my Patreon link, my Teespring link where you can buy shirts and other apparel and merchandise are all on my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter accounts. Patreon is just a monthly donation, essentially. And if you think about it, logically, this is a good way to think about donations. When you say you've got DirecTV, 
and you're watching and you love a specific channel. You love that channel and you appreciate it because it entertains you and or it informs you. If you go buy a specific, you go to your favorite restaurant, you keep going back to them. Well, they are providing a service for you that you appreciate. Every business runs on donations. We just call them sales. Everything is a donation. So when I say consider donating, you're really paying for a service that I'm trying to provide so that you can have a different perspective and hopefully start being able to share it with other people to help wake them up as well. So consider becoming a patron. As I said last time, I'm going to work more and more on the merchandise that is on the Patreon uh, page. And then finally, I know I said finally before, but I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. If any of my listeners are involved in vocational politics, in other words, politics is your job, reach out to me. Reach out to me via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Because as arrogant as this is going to sound, I think it's time I, I need to start looking at how I can get into politics and maybe start eh, consider running at some point. I know it's going to sound arrogant. We need more people that think like I do. We do. We need more people that think like I do and are willing to put their nuts on the line to make it happen. Through me, the blind become sighted. And this is why I drink. Take care, folks. We'll talk soon.